0: hello and welcome to fresh pressed for march 9th 2021 my name is gabe
1: and my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and geometric grooves. Not my best, but not my worst. I don't
0: think no, not your not your worst. I was hoping like you would go for like polyhedral, yeah, I mean,
1: that's just a longer word that sort of gets as close as geometric does, okay,
0: fair enough. The news that actually may have happened before our last podcast. yeah, I think it happened
1: like it was months ago. Who knows what it was?
0: The news is that. Daft Punk are splitting up and will no longer be producing music together.
1: We've got the scoop here, folks. Turns out the Daft Punk is splitting up.
0: Which is, you know, one of those things where you're like, that's a little bit sad, but also, okay, that seems reasonable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nonetheless, giants of electronic music and, well, I guess music in general. I never got to see them live, but for their Discovery tour... I guess they did um a very very famous pyramid light show thing. Yeah. Anyway, so we're doing pyramids this week, yeah. which is is thrilling. Now, Andrew, uh-huh. You definitely leaned into the mid 2000s part of this theme here.
1: Yeah, sort that was sort of definitely my goal was was to get all aspects of the Daft Punk era, in in which I mean, the era in which I was very into Daft Punk was also an era in which I didn't really know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't super know what sort of my ultimate music taste was going to be. I mean, and who does? There, somewhere in the early two thousands, I also got into some, uh, some, some harder, harder music. Okay. Which let me just let's just cut to the chase here i'm gonna talk about a song called pyramid and it is by the band wolf mother have things to say about their self-titled debut album because it's the only album I've ever listened to. But I remember a bunch of songs from there being a real jam in middle school when I listened to them.
0: This song is well, so it came out in 2005. hmm Which just extremely checks out. This is like peak Foo Fighters era rock. Mm-hmm. You know what this band makes me think of? Did you see the thing in the news this past week where Adam Levine was like, I miss real bands?
1: Unfortunately, I did see that, yes.
0: Everybody was like, what are you talking about? Uh, but what what Adam Levine misses is, is Wolfmother, even though I think Mother's still making music. Are, are they still making music?
1: It's unclear, and I don't care.
0: I like, could imagine being like 11 years old and being at a Flyers game and listening to this song over the stadium PA.
1: God, I would hate to be at a Flyers game at this point in my life. I mean, pandemic aside, I would hate to be at a at a hockey game.
0: Well, I wouldn't. So, that maybe that's just like a sports thing.
1: I think it's an enclosed situation. If it's any sport in an enclosed arena, it's just it's going to be too all of the uh energy is just going to bounce off the ceiling and come back to me, which is too much for me. I needed to dissipate into the ether like at a baseball game.
0: Yeah, but that that energy is just this Wolfmother song.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about Wolfmother in specific historical terms. Wolfmother is a band from Australia. It's primarily the project of Andrew Stockdale, who is the vocalist and lead guitarist. There have been a lot of other musicians throughout the years. They've sort of come and gone. There's been some vague controversy about the reasons for that, but like nothing that seems super like exciting to me. <laughs> like maybe Andrew Stockdale is annoying to work with, or maybe he's not. It's unclear. And I don't, I, I don't really mind either way, but they started the band in 2004. They continued to release music and sort of Andrew Stockdale going in and out with the Wolf Mother name and his, uh, his own name as, as a solo artist. I think he put out uh, his second solo album, Slipstream, in 2018. So he's still, you know, out there. They have gotten, and I think specifically for their first album, which again is the only one that I've ever listened to, they got sort of a lot of flack for sounding like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. And I personally don't hear it.
0: Is that is that my cue to be like what the fuck are you talking about? They that's exactly what they sound like. Yeah. It's in my notes, it's few. literally in my notes that they sound like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. But but also kind of everybody that's made this style of rock since like 1980 has sounded a little bit like Led Zeppelin. So this is like yeah. being like you know who was influential <laughs> for music? The Beatles.
1: I mean, that's true, but also the way that Andrew Stockdale sings does sound like he is copying Robert Plant. And also his hairstyle. Like, you can't say that, like, oh, it's just influences. Like, they they are genuinely trying to emulate Led Zeppelin, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I, I also don't think it is a debatable thing. Now, it's, it's Led Zeppelin, and also Black Sabbath is an important part of this. In this song specifically, I think the verses tend toward the more Led Zeppelin side, and sort of the chorus, uh, it only happens once, so maybe it counts as a bridge section, uh, feels like it really locks into that Black Sabbath sound with the guitars.
0: Sure, yeah. All the people in middle school that I knew that were really into Led Zeppelin were also really into Black Sabbath.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was vaguely into the idea of Led Zeppelin and also vaguely into the idea of Black Sabbath in middle school, and as as you may have understood, also vaguely into the concept of a wolf mother. It was just it's it was just the vibe. It was the angst. It was the the testosterone, the budding testosterone that just sort of brought me to this place.
0: I really can picture twelve year old Andrew in my mind.
1: Can't we all? So hardcore. I think I was into this at a certain point in my life and then strongly mellowed. And then now I have come back into the ability to get into this more. I I, I hate that I keep using the, the word hardcore, but you know what I mean? Like the the more energetic and sort of, you know what this is.
0: No, I like that you use the word hardcore, because when you say hardcore, it does some very specific idea of what hardcore is.
1: When I say hardcore, what I'm thinking of is Jack Black in School of Rock singing that song um, about being hardcore.
0: Absolutely. No, I think this is a great analogy.
1: This song, Pyramid, couldn't tell you really what it's about. I don't know that it's super about anything in particular. This is again sort of the Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, classic rock sort of gesture towards like classical imagery, romantic with a capital R imagery, where it's just sort of like, you know, it's pyramid. There's the ancient calling. The empires we built are falling. But like what are we singing about? I don't care.
0: It's sort of beside the point.
1: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's about the vibe and the vibe I think is impeccable. Gabe, you are not surprising anybody with this pick. <laughs> I didn't even bother listening to the song. I listened to the song once in preparation for this podcast because I knew what it was going to sound like.
0: Well, I did when I did present to you the song that was my choice, I did acknowledge at the time
1: mm-hmm. that this
0: was a Gabe song, and yes. I will do so now publicly. Yeah. But it's also fucking fun. This is Pharaohs and Pyramids. From a cut copy off their 2011 record, Zonoscope. So hands of silver, hands of gold.
2: Rising from a pyramid. She'll take you where the pharaohs live. And
0: Glossy, patriot, sun. Interestingly, enough this band originated uh at about the same time as wolf mother also in australia yeah but sort of the other side of the musical spectrum
1: it is the same side of australia though
0: that's because like everybody is on one (laughs) side of australia not perth that's true not perth which we did find out on a previous podcast (laughs) this song pharaohs and pyramids is off their 2011 album which is titled Zonoscope, which um, did very well critically. Pitchfork loved it. I think it won some Aria's, which is like the Australian Grammys. Mm-hmm. And it was their first album to really lean into like the dancey synth pop. Eh, it's not like pop, but like dancey dance music with electronic music and less like they they were doing more guitars before this.
1: It's like pop house. Because there is a pop aspect to it that like there's an aspect of it that is that is more out in the open than house music is. But that's definitely a very strong influence on. Them.
0: Absolutely. And they are still making music. Um, They came out with an album, I think, last summer called Freeze Melt, mm-hmm. which was decent. You know, not like world changing, but good. The band consists of four individuals. Dan Whitford who is the vocalist and sort of main driving creative force of the group, and then Tim Hoey, Ben Browning, and Mitchell Scott. At the time that this album came out, they had like accrued enough of a following that they were invited to tour for a year, for a full year, with Lady Gaga. Holy shit. Wait, what year was it? Which was like twenty ten, twenty eleven.
1: Damn. Okay.
0: So, sort of like peak Lady Gaga. Also, maybe peak Lady Gaga is a little before then. I I think
1: that's yes. not necessary. Well,
0: no. I mean, I, Lady Gaga Speaking has
1: had a continuous peak for her entire career. I think we can all agree.
0: Uh yeah. Anyway, so but um, <laughs> it's funny reading some of the quotes from, from Dan Whitford about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like, but also that sounds like hell." like touring for a year in that way um so they did decline This album was apparently recorded and created almost entirely in, like, an industrial warehouse in uh, (laughs) one part of Melbourne, which is – I just like how much that adds. Oh, what a Gabe song. Anyway this is part of like, there was a whole resurgence, I think of synthy dance pop around this time um, with like similar vocal styles. I remember also being into uh, Hot Chip. Wow, Hot Chip, yeah. Probably around the same, probably around the same time. But I think the song, first of all, what a great dance song. But I think it's it's like very good. It's so well executed. It really leans into, yeah, I think like the pop house aspect of it with like the hits and then it like, it builds and then it pulls away and then it has a wonderful climax and it's got like the great baritone vocalist going in the background (laughs) not in the background in the foreground um it's just like well executed this particular style of music and i this whole album i was surprising no one very into in high school and this is one of the standout songs but the entire album like pulses in this way and it was a great like song to be listening to today on like a beautiful sunny afternoon in California and just like dancing around the kitchen because nobody else is home.
1: We're both sort of leaning into the, the time period aspect of this theme or the inspiration of this theme. But I also feel like your song uh, genre wise leans into it. Not so much for Daft Punk at this time necessarily, because they were really more uh, strongly techno at this point, but Certainly, latter Daft Punk has gotten got a lot more poppy, and I also just think like there's this could be a song about being at a Daft Punk show or at a club where the DJ wants to be Daft Punk.
0: I agree. I was trying to like suss out sort of what the lyrics meant. I don't know, like it could have been the like the same Frank Ocean pyramids vibe song but i think it is more about being at like a dance club and it could very well just be about like kind of daft punky thing you know hands of silver how ha- hands of gold yeah i mean that's Loud hands of silver sound.
1: hands of gold rising from a pyramid really makes
0: me feel like we're just oh. in a
1: daft punk show
0: <laughs> wait maybe we were just wow did, we... did i just accidentally pick just a song about daft Punk? i think this is a song about daft wait punk. this is just a song about daft punk isn't it huh. <laughs> Well, nailed it. Nailed the theme this week, folks. (laughs) Andrew, another great week full of great music, mm-hmm. another good folky album, another last track off that album that's sort of vaguely sad and. Oh yeah. Do you just listen to the last track on every album, or do you? No, do you, like, I like when you say to the... I gotta listen to the record. I gotta. <laughs> and you only listen to the last one, or how? I
1: want to be clear about something here. This. Choice came down to two different tracks on the same album. And it could have been the eighth track of 10 tracks. But I decided after close listening of both songs that I really preferred the last track. And I also factored in like, I don't want to pick the last track again, but it turned out that like, I would, I really want to talk about this last track because I think it is the best. And I don't think that is some weird thing about me. I think that is something Uh, an active choice by people who are organizing songs on their albums where you want to close on a really good track. So maybe you're the weird one. Anyway, this is Frost by Adult Mom.
3: This pain
1: so uh this is off of their new album driver adult mom is i feel like a really aptly titled band in that it really exemplifies the sort of late millennial post-punk indie folk-ish stuff vibe in the same way that soccer mommy does
0: you know yeah
1: and they both happen to be mom bands I actually was just talking about this pic to to a friend and they said like, oh yeah, I picked a song off the new adult mom album. And they were like, oh, adult mom. Is that like soccer mommy? And I was like, no, wait, yes, very much. So. (laughs) So uh, adult mom is, is primarily the project of Stevie Knipe. There's a bunch of other musicians, but for, for a long time, sort of adult mom has been their project. I think this album is a really excellent evolution of their sound. Rolling Stone, which uh, who I don't normally look to for music reviews, but it is the the article that I have open, says that this, this album really is distinctly sort of a band album more than a sort of bedroom, indie, garage-esque, uh, post-punk stuff that their previous music is, which is, again, great. But this, this really feels like a full, like, entry into the the world stage with with the full band album i think it's a really really excellent album
0: yeah this was one of my albums of the week i did listen to it and be like there's like a 70 percent chance that andrew's gonna bring a song off of this album yeah and i think the song is a good encapsulation of the vibe of the record
1: yeah i think so too that's another reason why i felt like that i wanted to to bring this song is that not only was it did i like it a lot i also felt like it was a good example of this album which i think is a very good album because it has some different some change in vibe that i think encompasses the the scope of the album well I One of the things that I really love about adult mom is Stevie Knipe's voice, which I'm sure you're not surprised to hear if you are, a uh, uh, even somewhat, uh, regular listener to this program, because I have <laughs> brought on other musicians who have a similar vocal style, which is, I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about influences for Stevie Knipe's vocal style, I mean, you have to point to the cranberries, right? Like it does have that sort of, bordering on I don't I don't want to say wine because it's not really a wine it's sort of a game cut in like 3 seconds of zombie and see how the 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 vocal style is similar.
3: You see, it's not me, it's not my in your head, in your head they are
0: I agree i i hear the the Cranberry's influence.
1: I don't know how to describe that, but you know what I mean, like where it's, it, feels, it feels like it's on the edge or sort of moving back and forth over this, this edge of singing and...
0: It's just like slightly strained.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a strained aspect to it. And I feel like there is, there is like sort of a line that is being blurred by way of that strain. You know, that strain is, is yes. blurring this line between singing and sort of, I'm not going to try to come up with another word for this. You know what I'm saying? A lot of this album is about driving, which is probably why it's entitled Driver. And uh, this <laughs> this song specifically um, sort of starts with a story of a of a car accident. It seems like a, a probably a, not a a wildly... Major car accident, but one where they walked away with some injuries. So it starts with this pain in my neck persists since the accident. And then it it sort of widens into being about human connection and loneliness and physical pain connected to sort of emotional pain or almost spiritual pain. I really love the way that uh, they sing some some of these lines. My absolute favorite line in this song is... Uh, pretty early in theirs. now I pay for it in the physical sense and in the literal way. And I like this both from a performed standpoint and also a writing standpoint in which I, I like the way that, that they sing this, that Stevie Knipe sings this, but I also love the way that it is written because it is the physical sense and the literal way, because what they're really talking about is just like both the physical and the literal senses, Right but they say the physical sense and the literal way. And anytime there's an active choice like that, it makes me really hone in on, okay, so why did you choose to to change the word there or to say two different versions of this word? And that makes me focus on physical sense. Okay, the word sense really means, has connotations of really sensing it. Um, so that makes it feel more physical. And then the literal way is talking about they're paying for it, like, monetarily um, and that feels like a more abstracted manner in in contrast to physical sense i love when uh, an artist makes a choice like that that i can then dive into and be like okay so why did they say sense here and why did they say way here and what does that mean for this line as a whole what does that mean for this song as a whole i I love that shit you know i love that shit
0: absolutely it's a beautifully crafted song lyrically on a more like macro scale of the lyrics it's almost surprising because the song does just start off with this car crash <laughs> but you know halfway through the song we're just we're not we're not talking about the car crash anymore it's t- totally transitioned into talking about like personal relationships and their lack thereof
1: not just being like ah i feel lonely right now but sort of looking at sort of the whole this scope of time where I have been alone.
0: And emphasizing like rotations of seasons right. rather than using the word year, which is yeah. typically what we say for rotations of seasons. But it's
1: <laughs> sort of the shorthand for rotations <laughs> of seasons.
0: Uh, first of all, it ties in with this um, imagery of frost that's used, and that mm-hmm. is the title of the song. But the imagery of like passing through each season feels more poignant and like more lonely. Even
1: you get the full sense of what that means. Rather than just saying year, we all know what a year is, but to be like almost questioning that in the song and say, instead of saying year, I'm going to say rotations of seasons and then elaborate that on say, I've been hot and cold. I've seen frost melt off slow. No one on my mind, no one to wait for or pine to say, not just like I've, I haven't dated anyone in two years, whatever that sounds kind of bland. But to give a full detailed explanation of what that means, what a year means, what being alone means, is incredibly powerful. I, I think that's that's something that this song does so deftly in that it just so smoothly transfers from being like, ah, uh, yes, I got into a car accident once, to being about not just I have been alone for a long time, but what does it mean to have to be alone? What does it mean for that to persist for a long time. It's, it's just excellent.
3: In my bed.
1: Gabe, you've brought a song from an album that we both really loved. Please talk about Genesis Owusu.
0: This is Smiling With No Teeth from Genesis Owusu off his album of the same title.
2: Everybody wants the summer without holding the rain. Everybody wants the... everybody wants the
0: sweetness without tasting the blend. this album fucking slaps <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it might be my favorite record of the year so far damn um, it is an amazing blend of genres and sensibilities and pulls from so many different influences it's wildly fun to listen to. Like, it, I've had to like pull myself away from listening to this album over and over again this weekend so that I could like make sure that I listened to other things. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I didn't have enough time to listen to it, to even listen to everything I wanted to this weekend because I was doing some other stuff. But I was like, look, I know I gotta listen to this other album, but what if I just listen to Genesis Owusu again?
0: Genesis Owusu is born Kofi Ousuansa, um in the country of Ghana although i think at the age of 2 or so um, he moved to Australia and so our third
1: do you know specifically where in Australia was it perth
0: no it was canberra
1: i don't know where that is but i assume it's on the right side of it and by right i mean east
0: <laughs> uh huh it's on the east coast it is it is the capital of Australia canberra I mean, I know that. I just don't know where it is in Australia. I'm sorry, Gabe. And this album draws on his experiences growing up as a black man in a predominantly white city and country that is Australia. Especially, I think, Canberra, which is less cosmopolitan than like Sydney or Melbourne. Mm. One of the like thematic pieces of the entire album that comes up as the title of a couple songs, and um, also in this song, "Smiling with No Teeth," is the idea of the black dog, mm-hmm. which has some ties to like Churchill used it as a metaphor or something, the British Empire, etc. But also more specifically as a racial slur that was used against him and his older brother, like growing up in Australia. His older brother's a musician, too, right? His older brother is Citizen K, um, who mm. is also a, uh, like a hip-hop artist, rapper. So, Andrew, this album is sort of all-over-the-place music. It really is. It feels like it draws from all of the genres. There are just, like, punk tracks on here, R&B, hip-hop, just, like, rock. Like, it's everywhere. So, it was hard to pick a song that felt really representative of the record because I just loved it as a whole. Yeah. But I think this song does well specifically because if there was any artist that is the clear driving influence behind Genesis Owuso, and he's admitted as much himself, it is Prince. Mm-hmm. And this song, I think, captures a decent amount of the princiness, like with the spoken word versus, um, like spoken sung word, both verses. He actually said something um, in an interview. If he were to be described as anything, it would be uh, if Prince were a rapper in 2020s Australia. <laughs> but, you know, there are, there are other styles here. Um, Death Grips, who were around for a little while. There's a lot of that here. I hear Thundercat and Steve Lacey also. I mean, just amazing blend of of styles and influences.
1: I mean, I I know about him talking about Prince as his big influence, and I definitely hear that in this song. But if you ask me to pick one musician who really I felt like their influence through this song, I mean, Prince would probably be the second... Name out of my mouth, but the first name would be George Clinton because this is a this song that you've chosen is funk like I feel like I'm listening to not necessarily Parliament but sort of like some like George Clinton solo stuff, which is never just George Clinton but just just like there's there's this chill funk vibe that is so inescapable that obviously is also a thing about Prince but I feel like is more clearly epitomized or maybe more exclusively epitomized with George Clinton.
0: I think that's a great point, especially considering this song. I think maybe there are other songs that are even princier.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. This, this song is, is the George Clinton song.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's an amazing slow groove in this song, right? Like, (laughs) and it's awesome to like hear a song like this and be like, Oh, Damn, that tambourine is so good <laughs> like, Right <laughs> from the start yes, everybody. Everybody.
2: Boy, yes, everybody. Everybody.
0: I'll never leave you alone, baby a lot of Genesis of Wusso's stuff before this, this is his first like studio full-length. Mm-hmm. Um, but on his EP and some of the singles he's done, he's worked almost exclusively with a single producer. But on this album, he intentionally wanted to work with more of like a band situation to get more influences. And he describes it as like wanting more chaos in the studio <laughs> and like more <laughs> ideas, which uh, does come through. This is a song that has, like, great musical vibes, like, very positive-feeling musical vibes, like the slow grooviness, but is also Mm -hmm. not necessarily giving that off lyrically. Yeah. Even though it's almost sung, like, in, like, such a casual way, but, you know, the whole idea of Smiling With No Teeth, which is the name of the album as well, sort of ties together... I think some of Ousso's feelings about being a black man in Australia and the idea of like some of the faux politeness and the whole album is about like sort of the fake desires and like the fakeness of, of people in this song. You know, just the imagery of smiling with no teeth summons like a sort of a kind of a sinister vibe and the chorus which is so catchy and groovy. <laughs> but, you know, it's people want these things without being like putting in the work or without recognizing what makes those things like possible or what gives them contrast and context. It sort of feels like Ouso is calling out a good chunk of I think particularly Australian culture um on this song. One last thing that I thought was cool about this album is that the songs have very disparate stylistic ideas behind them, like musically, but he does a good job of tying lyrics together. And in this way, this title track of the album also feels like the centerpiece. Yeah. Because um, he references phrases that he talks about in other songs. Like we've talked about Black Dogs, which, um, again, is his representation of both racism and I don't know if I mentioned, but also his approach to depression. And he also talks about nets cast into fishless, fishless lakes which then comes back in song 13 which is called a song about fishing and has similar ideas and this is basically the middle song on the album so it feels like sort of the encompassing song this is a great album to listen to if you need a jam but it's also got it's like wonderfully intentional and cerebral elements to it i loved it Everyone
2: sweetness without tasting the bland every bad the help but they ain't then it yes in me there's
0: what else caught your eye this week Andrew uh, there was a great
1: album by Jane Weaver called Flock. Pop-ish, but uh, goes in a lot of different directions that I expected at the start to not enjoy and ended up really enjoying a lot of the
0: tracks from that album. Andrew pointed out a wonderful EP to me called I'll Become Kind from Bitch Seat with two Eyes. Whoa, family podcast, Gabe. That fits into um, my like general punkier indie rock aesthetic that I like. I uh, yeah. think like maybe like hospital bracelet.
1: Bernice put out an album called Eau oh de Bonjourno. Uh, pretty cool.
0: Pretty good. There was a lovely folk record from Elizabeth and the Catapult titled Sincerely E. It was very pretty.
1: Yeah, the last tracks of that were were really compelling for me. They just they it switched to like just piano stuff and it was great. For a more traditional sort of folk vibe. You could go to Andrew Bird and Jimbo Mathis for these thirteen um that's got some more like like American traditional folk music stuff, including some tracks influenced by uh folk songs that I really enjoy.
0: There was a record from Scottish musicians Arab Strap, who I think were a much bigger deal in the late nineties. But still making music, um, and if you like a good Scottish brogue over some electronic <laughs> influenced rock with some pretty intense lyrics, I recommend their record As Days Get Dark.
1: There's a new Fruit Bats album called The Pet Parade. Speaking of traditional folk, if you liked the album Bonnie Light Horseman by the band of the same name from last year, that's uh, Fruit Bats's is the project of Eric D. Johnson, who is uh, a big part of of that, of Bonnie Light Horseman as well.
0: There's a record from Ian Sweet. Mm, titled yes. Show me how you disappear. I don't know. What's the best word to describe it? Like experimental poppy?
1: Um, it borders on hyper pop, but it really, I don't think it gets to hyper
0: pop. Yeah.
1: On a slightly different note, there was also um, an album by the violinist Hilary Hahn. That I thought was what? very enjoyable. Um, there's
0: new Hilary Hahn?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, she does like the Prokofiev concerto, but there's also uh, two serenades for violin written by Aino Yihani Rautavara, who is, I uh, believe, a Finnish composer um, whose music I enjoy. And I think those are the the standout pieces from that album. So if you're into uh, classical music, uh, check out that new Hilary Hahn album.
0: That's our show for the week. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, at Fresh Press Pod. And if you like the music that we feature on the show, we have a whole playlist with all of the songs that we featured on the show, and that's in our show notes. Um, so you can check that out on Spotify. And we shall be back next Tuesday, March the 16th, with more tunes and more grooves. But until then, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you have been listening to Fresh Press.